Hi, this is Ben Lola, back to the Bible Canada. I hope you've been enjoying Dr. Newfeld's series on Romans as much as I have this week. And today we want to continue with Romans chapter 1 and talk more in depth about the gospel message and the good news of Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1 and let's join Dr. Newfeld. We've been talking about how confusing it is for some people to get the right idea about the Christian faith and about the gospel. In the time of the New Testament, there were a group of people called Judaizers who said that unless you were circumcised, you were not a Christian. I know of some people who will say the same about baptism or receiving the sacraments or going to confession or observing the Sabbath on a Saturday or about having a certain spiritual gift or reaching a level of spirituality. I mean, hearing these voices definitely does sound confusing. I mean, how do you know if you're really a Christian? How do you know that your sins are really forgiven, that that God really accepts you? And then comes the perpetual question of which church one should belong to, and well, on and on go the questions. So it's very easy for the person who is seeking to say, I mean, who am I going to believe? Okay, let's settle this. We can believe Paul. He was sent by God to clear up the confusion. That's what Romans 1.1 was all about. He is qualified to tell us the good news. He's God's messenger. But that brings us to the next question. What are we supposed to believe? Is there some basic set of beliefs that are necessary as a condition for being a believer? Well, the answer is yes, there are. But we need to start at the beginning. Remember that the book of Romans is Christianity 101, and so, as we'll see, Paul begins at the beginning. Let's read the first three verses of Romans. Romans 1, 1 to 3 reads, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Now, let's stop here. Now, if you're a believer and you want to tell someone about the gospel, what do you say? Now, some people cheat. I mean, they think they're sharing their faith when they tell people about their church. And I was talking to someone not long ago and who said to me, ah, you're from that church, he said. That's a great church. And then he told me why. It's because, he said, it's so well organized over there. I mean, he must have loved organization. And here's the important first lesson. The message is not that we have a great church with great worship and great preaching and great food at special events and great kids and youth programs and a contemporary flavor and that it meets the needs of people. I mean, that's not the message. I mean, there are some people who like the architecture of the church building they go to. Uh, There are people who perpetually fight about the style of music in their church. That's not the message. And you're not sharing the gospel when you tell people that you have a great church. Uh, So just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with having a great church. In fact, we should have great churches. And it's great to have a great church. But that's not the gospel. I mean, look at verse 3. It says it's about or concerning his son. So what were we going to believe when we become Christians? Well, at the very beginning, we're going to believe a message about Jesus Christ. Christianity is about Christ. It's about Jesus. Christianity is not about a set of rules, not about a creed, not about a way of life. It's about a person. If there's one thing every church should be known for, it's this. We always talk about Jesus. If you don't care about Jesus, well, we've got nothing else for you. Here's what we want. 
We want people to know about Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, to worship Jesus, to adore Jesus, to abandon everything that we hold dear to Jesus so that Jesus becomes the center of our lives, the periphery of our lives, the everything of our lives. And we want people to know that this Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. Now, I know that sounds basic, but how soon we forget. So what do we believe about Jesus? Well, we believe that there is a message about Jesus rooted in ancient times. Notice again what Paul says in verse 2. He says that it has been promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. Notice that the right from the beginning, Paul points out that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So from Genesis 3.15, we're told that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, to Genesis 49 verse 10, where we are told that the ruler's scepter will never depart from the tribe of Judah, to Numbers 24.17, where we're told that the star will rise out of Jacob, to 2 Samuel 7.12, where we're told that the seed of David, the Messiah, would establish a kingdom forever, to Isaiah 53, where we are told that the Messiah will suffer, die, and rise again, To Malachi 3 verse 1, we are told that the Lord whom we seek will suddenly come to his temple. This message of Jesus is the message of the Jewish scriptures. It is the message of the Old Testament. But what's the point? Well, the point is that Paul wants to make it clear which Jesus he is speaking about. Not the Jesus of the Greek and Roman mystery religions, but the Jesus who is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. So, by the way, to everyone who says, well, the Christian faith is only 2,000 years old, we respond by saying that the Christian faith begins at creation itself. For our Savior has made all things that have been made. Paul will not have a Jesus who is merely a popular notion of some group of people or some cultural ideal. Jesus is not simply a great prophet or the founder of a new religion or a religious or social innovator. He is, in fact, the fulfillment of the longing of God's people from the time of the fall itself to the time he actually came. So what else does Paul mention about Jesus? Well, when we believe about Jesus, we'll also believe a message about the real life and death of Jesus. Look again at verse 3. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. Now, I want you to notice that word flesh. Now, if you have a a New International Version, it will translate the word human nature. But the Greek word is the word sarx, which is translated flesh. And this word is used in so many different ways in the Bible. I know that often in the writings of Paul, he'll use that word to describe a part of us that has a downward tendency to sin. To act according to the flesh is to act in a way that God detests. But flesh doesn't always mean sinful nature, not every time. See, our flesh is our body. It's simply our physical frame. Yes, it's subject to sin on this side of the fall, but that's not the emphasis here. I mean, consider, for instance, Isaiah 40, verses 6 and 7. There Isaiah says, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on us, surely the people are grass. So the idea behind human flesh is, yes, that it is beautiful, like the flower of the field, and even good because God has created it. But it's also subject to weakness in that it fades away so quickly. And this, I think, is what Paul has in mind. 
When he says Jesus came to this world in the flesh, he means in weakness. He means according to the flesh. He wants to say that Jesus was, yes, completely human, subject to all the weaknesses that every other human being has. Although he never sinned, he was tempted. He suffered real pain. He knew joy. He knew sadness. You can identify with him. He was a real man in real history who lived a real life, who suffered on a real cross for the real sins of the real human race. The message of Jesus is the amazing story of his life and his death in the sins of this world. It's real, genuine human history. Now to verse 4. And, Paul writes, was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So when we say that Christianity is about Jesus, we are saying that it is about a Jesus whose life was foretold in the Old Testament prophets, who lived a real human life and who died on a cross, on a real cross. But we also say that we believe a message about the power and authority of Jesus. You know, at first glance, we might wonder if this text is saying that Jesus only became the Son of God after his resurrection. But if you examine it closely, it doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that he became the Son of God in his resurrection. Rather, he was declared the Son of God in his resurrection. Let me put it this way. Since I'm from Vancouver, and and proudly so, don't hold it against me, I remember where I was when I first heard the news that Vancouver had become the site of the 2010 Winter Olympics. I remember I was driving in my car and listening to the radio, and my heart was pounding as the head of the Olympic Committee was reading, and the winner of the 2010 Olympics is, and then he paused for effect. I could hardly take it. I almost drove off the road, and then he said it, Vancouver, Canada. Well, before the announcement, I mean, before the declaration, the choice had already been made. We just didn't know whether the 2010 Olympics were going to be held in Korea or in Austria or right here in Vancouver. It was just a matter of waiting for the announcement, waiting for the official declaration. See, the same is true for Jesus. He always was the Son of God from all eternity. He is the creator of this world. But the world just didn't know who he was until God made it official when the lifeless, badly mangled and abused body of Jesus rose from the dead and proved himself Lord even over death itself. At that moment, the announcement was official. The gospel message is all about Jesus. It's really that simple. When we say we believe in the gospel, we say we believe in a message about Jesus Christ. Believe a message rooted in ancient times. Believe a message about the truth of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and his power and authority. In believing all these things, we're able to truly grasp that Jesus is the Son of God. In just a moment, we'll continue with Dr. Neufeld's teaching on the Book of Romans. Are you connected with the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada? Well, we want you to have as much access to the ministry as you can, which is why we're connected on different social media platforms, like our page on Facebook under the name Back to the Bible Canada, or you can follow us on Twitter at BTTBC. Here you'll receive ministry updates about special events like our ministry cruise in March and our just-announced Israel experience from October 30th to November 9th. You can find out more at backtothebible.ca or give us a call even right now at 1-800-663-2425. 
Now let's rejoin Dr. John Newfeld as we continue our study on the book of Romans. The people of our world have always been confused as to who is our God. The Romans and the Greeks had hundreds of gods, and there are more today. Think about the questions people have. Is God personal or is God an impersonal force? Does God love us or is he fickle or capricious? Does God communicate with us? See, everyone has their own opinion. Numerous cultures and tribes and people and religions have their own idea of who God actually is and even how many gods there might or might not be. But how can we know? And then one man, an extraordinary man, a man who fulfilled the Old Testament, did something that no one had ever done before, rose from the dead, defeated death, hell, and the grave, and proved that he was the author and the Lord of life. And then the announcement was official. A declaration rang through the cosmos, this is our God. And that's the beginning of the understanding of the gospel. The good news is that the eternal God has not just come to us in the person of his son. Now, he's done that. But that God has let the whole world know, and it is official. So if you want to know God, he's the one. He's the son of God and God the son. That's what Christians believe, and that's what we know to be true. This is the good news, and this is the good news about Christ. That's Christianity 101. It's about Jesus. Okay, let's review. Who will you believe? We'll believe someone sent from God. What are we going to believe? We're going to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Here's the next question. What happens when we believe? Let's read verses 5 and 6. Speaking about Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul says, "...through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus." So what happens when you truly believe in Christ? Well, let's give an example. Let's say someone will say, or maybe you're going to say that, I believe in Canada. Well, what does that mean? Well, it could mean I believe there is such a thing as a real country called Canada. That is one kind of believing. You might be saying that to someone in another country who perhaps has never heard about Canada. Well, another thing you might mean by saying it is you might say, I'm proud of Canada and proud to be a Canadian. And that means that you'll sing the national anthem at the appropriate time and you'll wear a maple leaf whenever traveling abroad. And and it certainly means you're going to cheer for Canada at international hockey tournaments. Well, that's another way of believing. But what if you're at an investor's conference and someone says, I believe in Canada? Well, that would mean that you're going to put your money where your mouth is and investing all that you have in this country. That's a third kind of believing. So what kind of believing are we talking about when we say we believe in Jesus? Now, some people believe in Jesus in the first way. They believe that he is the son of God. That's it. Like someone who says they believe Canada exists while living among a primitive tribe maybe far away. And that's not the kind of believing that Romans is talking about. You see, even Satan himself believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And it does him no good whatsoever and will do us none either if that's the only kind of believing that we have. Some believe like the person who says, I am proud to be a Canadian. And they put a fish on their car and they wear a cross around their neck. Like some Canadians wear maple leaves. But that kind of believing is never a kind of believing worth dying for. 
See, the real believing is the investment of your whole life into Jesus. And if you believe like that, here's what happens. Listen again to Romans 1 verse 5. Paul writes, through whom, that is, through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. See, Paul begins by saying that it was grace that called him to present the message, a message that would produce a certain kind of result in the person who truly believes. And what's the result? Well, according to verse 5, when Paul preached the gospel, the result was, in his words, that the gospel produces an obedience of faith for the sake of his name. Now, the New International Version makes the sentence say, the obedience that comes from faith. And that's a very interesting way of putting things. Paul is saying that he's looking for an outcome in his converts. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say the outcome of the gospel is to bring about obedience, nor does he say the outcome of the gospel is to bring about faith. Now, before you turn me off, listen to what I have to say. Rather, what Paul is saying, the outcome of the gospel is that brings about the obedience of faith. Let's see if we understand Paul's thinking. There is a kind of an obedience that comes from works. We're going to be talking about that a lot in Romans. Works obedience means we obey in order to work for God. After having obeyed, God is obliged or obligated to reward our obedience by forgiving our sins and giving us eternal life. It's kind of like working for an employer. After our work, he owes us a paycheck. After all, we've earned it. This kind of obedience is an idea that obedience counts for something for God, that it produces a merit. Obedience earns us something. And all of Romans will argue that if that's what you believe about your obedience, you're still lost in your sins. You're not even a Christian if you believe that. Wow. But there's another error. There's a kind of faith, and let's just say it's an easy believism or a lawlessness, a kind of faith that produces no obedience at all a kind of faith in which nothing changes in the person who believes. And in response, Paul is going to argue that genuine faith offers itself up to God, trusting in Christ alone for our salvation, and that this kind of faith, according to Romans 6 verse 22, rejects being a slave of sin and becomes a slave of God, leading to sanctification or the life of holiness. Genuine faith or trusting in Jesus is life transforming. So what happens when we truly believe? Well, what happens is we receive a kind of faith that excites within us this passionate obedience to Christ. I mean, a change happens when we truly believe. Now, this change is is of grace. We didn't produce it, Christ did. But once we trust in Christ, once we believe, something arises within us. Obedience then becomes the logical result of believing. So what else happens when we believe? Well, we receive an assurance that we eternally belong to Christ. That's what verse 7 says. To those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you notice that. Not only was Paul called to be an apostle, I mean, all the believers in the church of Rome are called to be saints. Christ called them, and they're his. That means once we have truly believed, a kind of belief that excites passionate obedience and surrender to Christ, that kind of faith brings an assurance that we're eternally his. So what then is the gospel? Well, it's about Jesus. 
Christianity is about Jesus, to believe in him. That is, we know who he is, we know what he has done, and we have come to trust him and all the promises he has made. We have found him and his word to be true, and on the basis of that, we have staked our entire future on the promises that he has made. And in trusting his promises, those promises become the issues that change our lives. So again, what's Christianity all about? Well, let me answer it another way. Let's say for a moment that you asked me what my marriage was all about. Well, one way of answering that would be to tell you that it's about dating and then engagement, and then there was this marriage ceremony, and then, man, we had to live out all these commitments that we'd made to each other for the rest of our lives, and then we worked out all the difficulties. But that's not what marriage is about. My marriage is about a beautiful woman named Kathy. She's my friend and my sweetheart and the mother of my kids and my fellow soldier in Christ. And I've loved with her and I've fought with her and I've prayed with her and I've wept and I've laughed with her. She's what my marriage is all about. And I would have us say, that's what my faith is all about. I have learned that I have found in Jesus everything that I've needed. My eyes have been focused on him. Wow, there was a lot there, John, and uh, I just really enjoyed it and appreciated it. But you do cover some interesting ground and and perhaps challenge our whole idea and definition of how we should uh, think of faith. Maybe help us a little bit more. Help unwrap that a bit more for us. Sure. I mean, I think we can talk about saving faith, but we can talk also about the kind of faith that we exercise in our day-to-day life. I think that saving faith simply opens up the door to a life of faith. So, for instance, Ben, we might think, let me confess a sin to you. Um, I have struggled over years with anxiety. I sometimes become anxious about stuff. Now, the Scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Mm -hmm. And yet, here I am struggling with anxiety. So, I have found that when I concentrate on some promises— God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love him. Well, that is a marvelous way of attacking my issues with anxiety. See, I'm not beating myself up, trying to get myself to obey more. I'm simply looking at the promise and saying, if I trust that, I'll be transformed in my inner life. I think that's what faith is. It's altogether transforming when we've got the real thing. What great words of wisdom. John, thanks so much again for today. And I know we're going to continue to be challenged as we continue studying the Word of God and the Book of Romans. You know, believing in Jesus is a belief worth living and dying for. Today, Dr. Neufeld laid out the message of the gospel for us in order to help us understand why we believe what we do. I hope this has left you thirsty for more in your relationship with Jesus. Tomorrow, Dr. Neufeld will be continuing his series in Romans, The Heart of the Gospel, talking about the marks of spiritual leadership. So join us then for more of Back to the Bible Canada. Here at Back to the Bible Canada, we want to share the life-changing message of God's Word with as many people as we can. We live in a world where people desperately need to find Jesus and grow closer to Him every day. For this ministry to continue, we depend upon the ongoing support of listeners like yourself in prayer and through your gracious commitment to support this ministry financially. All that we do on air and throughout all the ministries that we have is dependent upon those who embrace this mission of Bible teaching to the nations. 
Perhaps today you'll consider becoming a monthly partner. Or if you haven't taken the opportunity before, perhaps send in that very first gift. Together we can make an eternal difference in the lives of so many. To sign up or to donate today, you can call us at 1-800-663-2425 or you can visit us online at backtothebible.ca. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day.